Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome into episode 48 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am Tyler Uremchuk. He is Cameron Lewis. And this podcast, as always, is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code BJNPODDD. It gets first-time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Coomzy, how you doing? Happy that we're uh, Happy that we're done with the trop until the ALDS. Well, I know who's dashing to the door right now. The door of the fucking trop is everybody on the Blue Jays because nobody wants to play there because fuck that place. It's cursed and it's awful. And I want them to fire it into space. And I never want to see a baseball game there played ever again. Yeah, you are definitely not alone in that. Even the wins at the trop, they don't come easy and they're stressful. And it just always feels like the worst possible thing is going to happen. Um, there, there's a lot to get to here from this three game series between the two teams. Um, just, just for the uh, sake of the listener, knowing what's going on here, the game third game's not done yet. We're already recording this. We saw Pete Walker come out of the dugout, get all fired up. We said, fuck it. It's seven one. Let's just start this podcast. Now Pete Walker's done. So uh, we're done watching the series as well. Yeah. hundred percent. We can't watch those. Are the rules you can't continue watching a baseball game. If Pete Walker has been ejected, there's no point. I still have the game on here in my office. So if they come back, this will be the most electric podcast ever because we'll be sitting here live as they fucking come back on the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, but they're down seven, one at the bottom of the eighth. Nate Pearson just picked up a strikeout. Good enough time to record a podcast. And let's get into three up, three down for this one presented to you by Twig and Berries, where you can use the promo code nation 15 gets you 15% off Twig and Berries.ca upgrade your wardrobe before the fall. I think today is like, what is it? What do they call it? The autumn solstice or something? Yeah, it's the first day of fall today. It's uh, summer's over officially. It's um, yeah, we're marching right towards winter now, which is kind of depressing. But at least we have competitive fall baseball to worry about before yeah. we get into full-on winter sadness mode. The first down in three up, three down is going to be the god awful strike zone that we had to deal with. I have a oh. funny feeling that might have something to do with Pete Walker getting as fired up as he <laughs> did at the umpires today. Um, but that was dog shit, and it cost them game two. Or sorry, game one. Game one, yeah, it did. They we had a chance here to have what could have been like an iconic comeback at the mm-hmm. drop. I mean, it never happens. Never. I feel like many years ago there was a game they came back and scored like six or seven runs in the ninth inning. I remember it vaguely. It must have been like two thousand eight, nine kind of thing, but like nothing in recent memory. But 
So right at the beginning of the ninth inning, George Springer doubles, then Marcus Semien hits a home run to make it 6-4. And then Vladdy walks and, you know, David Robertson struggling, can't throw a fucking strike. And then this JT Charlois guy comes in. It's the same thing. The guy can't throw a fucking strike. He has no idea where the ball's going. Bobichet's batting and Tampa's pitcher gets a fortunate call that's well outside of the strike zone that fucks Bo's at bat. So now he has to expand. Same thing for Teoscar as well. Pitch way down low. He ends up striking out again because the strike zone has been expanded. And then Danny Jansen keeps the game going. There's guys at first and second. Gurriel takes a walk. Bases are loaded for Brevik Valera. And he sees like seven pitches in the at-bat and doesn't swing at anything, unfortunately. But again, he should have walked because A, ball was called a strike. And it was infuriating because, I mean, this isn't a game they should have won at all because they weren't particularly good in the game, though, you know, the start by Robbie Ray wasn't very good. We'll get into that in our next point because why that might have happened, there's a reason for it. But again, we'll get, get into it right away. But then, then also the, you know, depth relievers weren't able to keep the score low for the offense to come back in, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is that Tampa's relievers really wanted to blow this thing and the umpires did not want to let it happen. And it was fucking infuriating to watch. Yeah, that, w- that was just the annoying part is the strike zone was bad all series, particularly in game one. It was terrible. And the three worst calls of the game, I follow that as I'm sure everyone listening to this does that umpire scorecard Twitter account, which is great. They said the umpiring cost, the balls and strikes cost the Jays 1.94 runs in that ball game. And three of the worst calls or the three worst calls all came in the ninth inning as well. Like it was just unbelievable how terrible that was. And yeah, the situation should have been uh, Valero walked it's six, five bases loaded two outs. And I mean, Jake lamb was coming up, but you're probably pinch hitting for him. Right. Yeah. Um, it would have been, it would have been lamb. And then after that would have been Springer was right on deck. So yeah. if somehow lamb gets on base and keeps it going, then it would have been Springer with an opportunity to have another dramatic moment. Yeah. And what he would have done was hit a grand slam. Clearly would have happened. Yeah. Um, but lamb the strike zone walk. and Springer not even good. just, not even just for the Jays, like that entire series, the strike zone was really, really bad. It was yeah. large. The, the most frustrating thing for me was that Tampa's relievers, the relievers, like these guys who can't throw strikes and don't know where the ball's going, are getting the benefit of the doubt. And they're getting all these, you know, borderline, some of them weren't even borderline. Some of them were like, there was the one that was down low. I think it was Teoscar. It was like three inches yeah. below the strike zone. That was called a strike. But then earlier on in the game, Robbie Ray was getting nothing. Like hitting corners, nothing. And then Nate Pearson came in as a reliever. Same thing. He was getting nothing. It was infuriating. And the other thing, too, like I get these umpires have very difficult jobs. I'm not trying to say they don't. But, you know, when it's a 95 mile an hour slider right on the corner, and it's a 50 50 call like I can get it. But like the Hernandez one and then especially that Valero one, that is a dead straight fastball right down the middle and about three inches above the zone. That is the easiest call to make when the pitch is not moving at all. And it is a strikes strike right or not a strike oh it should have been a ball um right down the middle of the plate like that's an easy pitch to see there's no excuse to make that bad of a call in that situation especially at a point when it's like a critical time in the game that's when you should be like on high alert as an umpire it was just beyond frustrating um but that's our first down something else that got me nice and fired up was uh, what happened with kevin kiermeyer where he slides into home plate um, Alejandro Kirk's playbook, if you want to call it that, falls out of his wrist guard. Kiermaier looks at it. I mean, I'm convinced that when he looked at it, when he was sitting in the dirt, he quickly realized, oh, shit, this is theirs and scooped it up. He then fully admitted to knowing it was the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays sent someone over to go get it. 
and they the Rays weren't going to give it back. Um, Cam, where do you come out on this? Is this just, you know, gaining a competitive advantage and yeah, you see it, you're going to pick it up and use it to your advantage or is this cheating? It, it, it is cheating. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's, it's old school cheating. It's, um, you know, I, it's, it's the same thing as you hit a leadoff double and you have a guy at second base and then you're intercepting signs and maybe relaying it to the guy batting. It's, it's cheating. It's not the best thing ever. It's not great. But if, it was one of the guys on if let's say for example jake lamb slid into home and he grabbed tampa's playbook and the jays teed off on tampa's pitch the next thing we'd think it was fucking hilarious right like we, we'd all be laughing we'd love it like nobody nobody none of us would be sitting there being like oh, this is not how i want to win this is this is old school shooting this is not houston astros cracking signs no and it's not banging. that and, you know, putting microchips in their players' brains and telepathically telling them when a slider is going to be coming. No, this is old school cheating and it's not the end of the world. It's, it's, I don't know, if you're a catcher on the Blue Jays, memorize all this shit and don't have it written down so somebody can copy the answers on your test, right? Like, you're putting yourself in a situation where somebody can cheat off of you because you literally have your fucking game plan written out on a piece of paper. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just the thing that kind of confuses me a little bit is like, hey, so let's say the Jays sent like a bat boy over or whatever to go get the piece of paper back. And the Rays are like, mm-hmm. we didn't do it or no, we're not giving it back. Maybe baseball needs to because everyone uses it. you can you can say if you're the Jays, you want your catcher to not have it. But like every outfielder in the game has yeah. a cheat sheet. Every catcher and I shouldn't say every catcher. Majority of catchers have one. Every pitcher's got it in their hats. They were talking on the broadcast about how the Jays travel with a fucking shredder now so they can shred these things after the game and no one's picking them up out of the garbage can like it's intense. Maybe like this shouldn't happen again. This was quite like the one not maybe not one in a million but something along those lines like it's a very rare occurrence but in the future maybe the team just has to go to the umpire and be like hey we got video proof they took our fucking piece of paper can you tell them to give it back but like again i i guess it is closer to the lines of like old school cheating with a new school kind of flair to it i was pissed off because i just hate the tampa bay rays and this yep. gave me another reason to hate kevin kiermeyer um so that's why it really pissed me off because it's just like a fucking course these grease balls found a way to do this and kevin kiermeyer with his smug look picking it up in the dirt and being like mm-hmm, nice then even after when he was like it's september what do you want me to do i'm not going to give it back i'm trying to get an advantage i was just kind of like man yeah, it would have been hilarious if the jays did it and i'm being an absolute homer here i fully recognize that oh, yeah. like go fuck yourself man i it's greasy. Oh yeah, we can we can sit here and I think the, the fair play for us to do here is bitch about it because fuck the Rays and yeah. fuck the Trop. This is the exact kind of thing that would happen yeah. against this team. We can bitch about it, but I think we also have to acknowledge if this happened in our favor, we would think it was the funniest thing ever. It would be hilarious. We'd love it. So we'd be all, we, we'd be all about it. So where do you come out on this? Kevin Kiermaier comes to bat in a seven-one ball game. Ryan Barucki steps up, doesn't throw at his head plunks him right in the ribs. It's a 7-1 game. Kiermaier was being greasy a couple nights before. Is it the way I love the game going? No. You know, you don't want guys being intentionally thrown at, but at the same time, if you're going to be greasy and cheat and be smug about it, you might get hit in the fucking ribs, man. I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Like, Okay, there, there's, there's a handful of things I have to say here because there's, there's a lot going on in this situation. 
we can't sit here and get super excited about Ryan Baraki throwing at Kevin Kiermeyer in what the eighth inning of the third yeah. game of the series. So when you're getting fucking pumped. Yeah. So a full day after this whole thing happened, they're waiting until the very end. They're not seeing the Rays again this year. They might mm-hmm. see the Rays in the division series, whatever. But this is exactly what we made fun of relentlessly. The Texas Rangers doing back in 2016. They waited until the end of so they the way that i correct me if i'm wrong on this the way that i remember 2016 playing out is the rangers came to toronto early and then the the jays went to texas to play a four-game series and texas waited until the end of that series to plunk jose bautista so it was after they had played it was the end of the seventh time they had played each other that they hit this guy for doing the bat flip in the division series and we ripped on them relentlessly for it because that's that, that's just bitch made shit like you a, a little bit different though like the jays it's different. not like we're it's not like it's next season and they're hitting kevin kiermeyer like it's within the series i mean yeah we're we're now at the point of arguing about the unwritten rules of baseball which is always no, nonsense yeah, yeah. but yeah i'm just saying for the sake of consistency like we have to call a spade a spade and be like this is kind of a bitch made move like you waited all the way till the very end but that being said i'm also thrilled that it didn't happen in game two like it would have been monumentally stupid if alec yeah. manoa who's already been suspended this year for hitting a guy went ahead and plunked Kevin Kiermaier, who can't fucking hit worth a leg. This guy sucks. Like, he sucks. Don't put him on base. Like, he grounded into a double play with Manoa pitching last night, and that's exactly how you get back at him, right? Like, I don't I don't hate what Ryan Barucki did. I'm glad that Alec Manoa didn't do it because he's more important to the roster. Barucki doesn't matter if he gets suspended. Who the fuck cares? He's been terrible this year. But you have yeah. to say, like, it is a little bitch made to wait until the very end to do this because now Tampa really doesn't have much of an opportunity to get back at them. At least they didn't wait until the bar. I mean, yeah, like they have the top of the ninth inning, but really. Now nah, the game, the game just ended. So they didn't do anything back. I'm yeah, I get it. It's kind of a bit of a bitch move, but it's also a bitch move to kind of pick up the other team's card from home yeah. plate and then like hide it and not give it back. So like, I don't know. I don't love it, but I kind of sat there and you know, I didn't necessarily, like I didn't laugh about it or whatever, but I'm just kind of like, meh. Yeah. I don't know. Like you, you, you kind of had it coming to you. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's a bitch move or whatever, but like you had it coming to you and you're right. At least it wasn't Manoa going out and doing it and getting like a six game suspension or a 10 game suspension right now because they really can't afford that. But they can't afford to lose Ryan Barucki for five games, I think, because he hasn't been good. Yeah, if anyone's going to do it, that's who it is. Like you don't want Nate Pearson or Julian Merriweather doing this. You don't want Jordan Romano doing it. You don't want Alec Manoa doing it. You don't want yeah. Bobby Ray doing it. You want one of your late bullpen whatever arms doing it. And Barucki was the guy good on him if he feels good about himself for doing it i don't know sure why not like i i don't hate it i don't love it i'm kind of mutual on this kind of thing yeah me too um it, it's a part of sports right like it's a bit mm-hmm. of a rivalry now i mean it, there has been a rivalry for years between these two sides and this only adds a little bit of fuel to it and it will be absolutely electric if these two meet up in uh, in the oh, alds because now there's some fuel to this whole fire it's gonna be a nightmare it. it's gonna be a nightmare yeah, I don't know if I fuck. I don't know if I could even handle that. It would just be okay. whatever. Um, let's keep moving along here. Uh, in game three, before we got to Ryan Barucki throwing at Kevin Kiermaier in a seven-one game, let's get to why it was seven-one and Ross Stripling, who we loved ripping on early in the season and then had to eat our words on a little bit. He was back to being bad today. Yeah, this has been a roller coaster ride. I mean, Stripling was terrible at the beginning of the year, and then he worked with Pete Walker and figured something out because he was tipping his pitches or something and sort of pulling his glove closer to himself. And he was really good. He had a whole string of great starts. 
And then he went on the injured list, kind of disappeared for a while. And then since he's come back, he's just been really bad. It's kind of been him piggybacking off of Hyunjin Ryu. Neither of them have been effective. And now, you know, Ryu's on the injured list with his shadow injury that does isn't probably isn't actually an injury. Julian Merriweather starts the game, navigates through the first inning, and then Stripling comes in, you know, after the opener, and it's supposed to make life easier for him, right? He gets to start with the bottom of the order. He has a pretty good go, and then he comes out and just throws fucking batting practice. Just five earned runs, only records four outs. It was just absolutely exactly not what the team needed right now because they had to burn through what, like one, two, three, four, four different relievers plus Merriweather. So it was a five reliever game at the end of a series. And uh, like exactly what they didn't need. Like they need to have a rested group of relievers going into this very important series in Minnesota. And now they don't have that at all. Yeah, um, the the nice part, if you want to call it that, is like, you know, aside from Pearson, no one there is really too important, too much of a key cog to the operation. Um, Anthony Castro showed actually some really good stuff. He pitched two and a third. He didn't allow a single hit and uh, he didn't walk anyone either. So maybe you got to see a little something from from Anthony Castro. Um, Not that I expect him to factor into things much down the stretch here, but Ross Stripling, yeah, you, you needed more from him than that. And they didn't get it. Um, at the end of the day, they walk out of this six game run here against the Tampa Bay Rays at 500. That's that's not bad. Like, I don't know. I would have loved for them to to win today. And we'd be sitting there going, hell yeah, they went four and two. But you're playing the top team in your division and you went 500 over six important games against them. I just that's that's OK, in my opinion. I'm not like pissed yeah. off about it. No, I'm not. I'm not angry about this series at all, to be totally honest with you. Like after the first game, it was kind of like, you know, if they sneak out of this at the top with one win, that's fine. It's not ideal. Like we don't know what's happening in the out of town scoreboard just yet because the Yankees and Red Sox start in like half an hour. But yeah. there's a fair chance, given who those two teams are playing, that the Jays are out of a playoff spot going into Minnesota. But they still have. I mean, they still have the advantage here based on their schedule and going three and three in the six against Tampa. If you had told me at the beginning of those games, that's what would happen. I would. 100 percent take it let's get into the ups here before we get to some other topics here uh the game they won was in a start from alec manoa and he didn't have his a stuff and it wasn't even really close to his a stuff he ended up walking six batters um he did rack up seven strikeouts but he walked six batters he only gave up two runs though he had to throw a lot of pitches though it wasn't pretty he was grinding there was runners on base almost every inning but he found a way to get through six innings against the Tampa Bay Rays and only give up two earned runs. Like despite the fact he didn't have his good stuff and it wasn't an electric start from Manoa, like we've seen at points throughout the season, I'm still really impressed with the way he was able to just kind of put his head down and get through that start. Yeah, absolutely. That was huge. That was one of the biggest starts they've had this year. In my opinion, like, you know, you had on Monday, Robbie Ray, your ace go to the mound and not pitch very well at all struggled his velocity was down then they stole his his strategy sheet and that made life more difficult and the strike zone was fucked there was all this all that and then Manoa comes out in the second game and it really is like a must-win situation because you kind of know the Wednesday game you have like the bullpen going against Tampa and it's going to be their bullpen too and their bullpen's really yeah. good and their offense is really good like they're obviously going to tee off on stripling we all know what's going to happen <laughs> And, you know, they did. So the second game was a must, must, must win. And Benoit came through six innings with, like you said, like not his best stuff. Like he navigated six fucking locks and still only allowed two earned runs, which is insane because the Rays are one of those teams where as soon as you put guys on, they score, especially at the trot because they have their weird devil ray magic going on there. And somehow, some way, 
I've like never seen a Blue Jays pitcher do this. They navigated the tight rope, tight rope amazingly at the drop. It was, it was, <laughs> it was like a hell of a thing to witness. Cause I swear I've never seen that before. Second up here from this series is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Continuing, continuing his hot play in September. Um, he hit another two home runs in this series, and courtesy of Sportsnet Stats, uh, Lourdes Gurriel is now one RBI shy of tying the Blue Jays franchise record for most ribbies in September. Uh, he's one back of Kelly Gruber, who did it in 1990. He had 30. Um, he's got seven more games now to do it, and he probably will. This is just an, an, all-time, an all-time run from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. this month. Yeah, it's been fantastic. This is exactly what the team needed. I mean, they we, we talked about this in the last podcast as well. Like, they have their big five at the top of the lineup, and the big five, if we're being totally honest, has not been a big five recently because no. George Springer, I mean, save for that double there in the first game of the series that came right before Semyon's home run, has been pretty much invisible. Like, he's obviously not playing at 100%, but ever since Springer's been struggling, Guriel's been hitting how you'd expect Springer to hit. So that's a huge thing to compensate and a huge way to stretch the lineup out. And it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, like it would be sick to see that from him over a full season, Mm -hmm. but you know, we all know how streaky this guy is, but it's just, it's great that we finally got this because, you know, earlier on at the beginning of the year, I remember there was a bunch of us talking about like, does this guy even fit on the team? Like, what does he do? Like, he isn't that great in the field. He's not hitting right now. What's the point? And then, you know, he comes through and explodes and just goes nuclear. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's right. That's, that, that's what this guy does. He goes and puts up, you know, a thousand OPS in like August and September. And that's such a game changer for the team. And yeah, hopefully he can keep it rolling here. They got a, they got a big four gamer coming up here against Minnesota. I call it a big four gamer, not because of the opponent, but because of the time of year it is. There's only 10 games left in the season here. Um, the, this is fucking go time. Like you kind of yep. have to go. What do you need to go here? Seven and three down the stretch. If you want to make the yep. playoffs, it's Minnesota for four. And then it's a head to head against the Yankees that I think yeah. might honestly decide who makes the playoffs. And then the other, yep. the other positive we have is um, the Jays are playing Baltimore to finish things off in October while mm-hmm. the Yankees have to play the Rays. And the Rays are in an interesting spot because they haven't locked anything up because they're like a game ahead of Houston or two games ahead of Houston for best spot in the American league. So these games actually matter to them too. Yeah. So the Rays clinched a playoff spot today. I think Um, they officially clinched a playoff spot. Josh Goldberg of Sportsnet tweeting out that the Rays have either clinched a playoff spot against or eliminated the Blue Jays directly in three straight seasons. Um, He adds that's pretty on brand and I would tend to agree with him. Um, But yeah, the Rays still have a lot to play for. Like you said, they're trying to grab that top spot in the American League. You want home field advantage all the way throughout the playoffs, especially when you play at the fucking trop and that's the advantage that it is. Um, Mm -hmm. So the Rays will still have something to play for as they go up against the Yankees in that final series of the season. The other thing that's really working in the Blue Jays favor here this week. Again, we don't know what's going to happen tonight in the series finales for the Red Sox and the Yankees, but actually the Red Sox don't play tonight, I believe. Do they? Or do they? they? It's uh, Taiwan Walker for the Mets going up against Chris. And then Um, for the other game, it's some guy named Hearn for Texas going up against Corey Kluber. Okay, Um, but the other good thing is this weekend, while the Jays are playing the lowly twins, the Yankees and Red Sox are going head to head as well. So Mm -hmm. if one if if you can just dominate the twins this weekend, you're putting yourself in a fantastic spot because then you're gaining a couple of games on either the Yankees or the Red Sox and potentially gaining a game on the other one. However, that's going to break out. I know it's confusing to sit there and try to think about, Um, but this is a 
big weekend coming up. And when you look at who the Jays have coming up in the rotation, we'll get to that in a second. There's reason to be very optimistic about uh, what could be happening here. Let's wrap up three up, three down, though. The Pete Walker meltdown was great to see. I love this man. Um, They can make him the manager, and I would be happy seeing him get that fired up. Fired me up. Yeah, it's fantastic. I don't know. Like, (laughs) this is, I don't even know. It's such a throwaway third up. Yeah, it's a throwaway third up. Like, I just put it in the notes because it was happening right as we were starting. And I was like, fuck yeah, Pete Walker. This guy rocks. This guy's yeah. sick. Honestly, just 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 the up in general is just Pete Walker. Pete Walker, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he deserves fuck a little yeah. bit more love here. Uh, that's Let's- three up, three down. Presented to you by Twig and Berries. Twigandberries.ca. Free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. Uh, some other stuff to get to here. Buck Martinez on the broadcast making it sound like George Springer might return to center field this weekend against the Minnesota Twins. He and Dan Schulman were speculating on whether or not Springer was still wearing a knee brace in this last game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And Schulman kind of said it looked like he wasn't wearing a knee brace anymore. So when you watch George Springer hit, and I mean, he was brutal in the last series against Minnesota, and he wasn't good in this series against the Rays either. He went one for four in game one. He went one for three with a walk in game two. And in this series finale, he managed to go 0 for five. So you watch him and you go, doesn't look like he's getting any healthier. And I just kind of accepted that, you know, he was going to play with the rest of this year at like 70 to 80%, whatever, whatever he's at right now, but then making it sound like Springer could actually be getting healthier and could go back into center field. That's huge. If he's actually ready to take that step. Yeah, that's ideal because we talked about this last time and it's the best lineup composition for the Jays obviously involves Springer in the outfield because it opens up the DH spot for Alejandro Kirk, who I think the team is somewhat uncomfortable with using as a catcher. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because he's got butterfingers and he can't hold on to his fucking strategy card. <laughs> That's why they don't want him catching every day. Because <laughs> if they go into Minnesota in the first game and Kirk's catching and he drops the strategy card, they're fucked, right? It's, it's game over. Series over, yeah. Season Series over. over season over it's game over it's it but no like seriously like it's you know opening up the dh spot is huge for this team because when was the last time you know bull bichette or marcus Semyon had a day off the field like july yeah <laughs> i swear like when was the last time one of these guys they were talking about that shulman was talking about that like Semyon's played i think like every game and he's only yeah. dh like once or twice or something yeah, like insane. that like this guy's been playing a crazy amount of baseball and yeah like against you're not resting anyone right now let's be real there's 10 games left in the season but you know, let's say you win the first three against Minnesota. And yeah, maybe you DH Semyon for the last one. There's also mm-hmm. some talk. Um, Dan Schoen was saying maybe they get Kevin Biggio back right wow. away. That that could give you an opportunity. Not that I love the idea of Biggio playing important games right now when he's been <laughs> out for like two months. But like, you know, if Biggio's there, you can put him at second. You can DH Semyon. And that's all because Springer's in center field and it opens up that spot. So the lineup flexibility could return if Springer's back in center field against the twins and you shouldn't underestimate how important that is yes it's literally how this roster is composed they they build this team with the idea of having you know a permanent dh that's why in the offseason when there was the word that they had acquired michael brantley in free agency it didn't really make any sense because they just simply didn't want to have somebody as the always dh because you want to let vlad dh sometimes you want to let Bo dh sometimes you want to let guriel who's kind of a mess in the outfield dh sometimes blah 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 and it was the same thing with you know there was talk i remember before the trade deadline maybe they'll go out and acquire nelson cruz and again the talk always was like how do you go ahead and acquire an exclusive dh because how do you spin the rest of your guys around and put them in the dh spot and now we're seeing exactly what happens with this team when somebody's locked into the DH spot and results in Alejandro Kirk sitting on the bench for fucking six days in a row or 
you know, Corey Dickerson playing center field, just shit you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the out-of-town scoreboard here, because we know that's a massive story, like we already hit on, Reds, or, yeah, Red Sox and Yankees, um, they're not going to finish up their series till later tonight. We're recording this right after the Jays finished up against uh, the Rays. But last night, it was the Red Sox picking up a victory. Yankees also found a way to win as well, 7-1 against the Texas Rangers. God, the Texas Rangers are terrible. Yes. And uh, the Yankees also won game one of that series, and uh, it's just a two-gamer for the Red Sox against the Mets. So they didn't get any help on the out-of-town scoreboard, and they dropped two out of the three to the Tampa Bay Rays. So not a great week for the Toronto Blue Jays, especially with that out-of-town scoreboard. The way things sit right now, Yankees in Toronto tied for that second wildcard spot. Um Either it's either going to be the Jays are half a game back of the Yankees with a game in hand, or they're half a game up on the Yankees with a game in hand. They're also two back of the Boston Red Sox, but it is worth noting that they have two games in hand and that could quickly become a third or that will become a third game in hand after tonight. So um, some chances here, sorry, fuck one game in hand. God, my math. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be today. two games in hand after yeah. tonight again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, no, it'll, it, it'll be, this oh is making God. me dizzy to look at. No, it's only going to be one game in hand. They played yeah, the same amount of games right now, and then they'll yeah. make up that game on Thursday because the Red Sox and Yankees are both not playing tomorrow. Yes, you are correct. Yes. Okay. And there then uh, Oakland and Seattle <laughs> are both two and a half back. We apologize for you listening at home having we to deal both, with us figuring that out on the fly. It's we are, we are way too stupid for this shit. This is, I'm yeah. just seeing 87s, 67s, 85s, and 65s, and it's making me dizzy. I'm, I'm not built for this. I'm built for speaking. and. Fucked drinking alcohol and i'm not <laughs> built for math the red sox have picked a hell of a time to rattle off a six game win streak though and that is incredibly frustrating to watch because i've been convinced all year that they were going to go on a six or seven game uh, losing streak at the right time and that just isn't happening right now oh no that would have been perfect but i think you know we wanted so badly for the red sox to be frauds but they just aren't yeah it is what it is like none of the neither the yankees or the red sox are bad they're both pretty good Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. The Jays are going to have to have a good a good finisher. They can't rely on anybody else to get them into the playoffs. The reality is, is they have 10 games left. Yep. Seven of them are against teams that are complete dog shit. One's against a team that's literally, they're competing with four a spot. They're in control of their own destiny here. They, they got to win these games. Go like eight and two. Yeah. It's very doable. All right, let's dig into what is coming up next. And it is brought to you by the Sports Closet. The Jays have four in Minnesota. And maybe you want to look a little bit fresh for it. Head to the sportscloset.ca, jerseys, hats, hoodies, and more. Our new friends at the Sports Closet. Check them out. Um, All right. The big story here is the rotation kind of, I think. I think this is the big story. So they're going to go Matt's in game one, Barrios in game two, Ray in game three, Manoa in game four. So maybe the story isn't necessarily what they're going to do against Minnesota. But after that, things do get interesting. And it's all a part of what's coming up next. So we're putting it in this segment. But. They have an off day Monday, which is important because that means they could potentially either skip a Steven Matt start or keep Hunjin Ryu out of things if they want to kind of optimize who they're putting out against the Yankees, right? Yeah. So basically the way things work and the way the Jays have talked about it is they want Robbie Ray to pitch every fifth day on his normal rotation, no matter what. So based on that off day, somebody's going to get skipped so that Ray can pitch the Thursday finale against the Yankees, which is ideal. You want him lining up in that situation. He's the best pitcher on the staff. So it goes against Minnesota. Like you said, Mats Brios, Ray Manoa. That's, you know, as of right now, pretty much the best you can do with the team. And then that puts them in a situation. So Monday's off and then it's Tuesday. 
and Ryu's eligible to come off the injured list at that point. So he could start game one. Otherwise, it's Matt starting on normal rest. And then also on normal rest are Barrios on Wednesday and Ray on Thursday. And so depending on what happens with the Ryu and Matt situation is maybe you skip Matt's and then Matt starts the series against Baltimore on Friday, which would be Alec Manoa's normal spot. And then you bump him to start Saturday. So he has an extra day of rest. That's kind of what we're looking at here. I really do think it all comes down to sort of how things are playing out at that point, right? Like I don't expect them, expect them to sit there right now and be like, okay, we need to decide in this moment if it's going to be Ryu or Matt's going in game one against New York or what's going to happen there. If we're going to split them up and give everyone in the rotation an extra day rest or whatever, because if you roll through you, like you're going Matt's Barrios, Ray Manoa against a Minnesota twins team. Like there is a realistic chance that the Jays sweep Minnesota this week. So if you do that and let's say the Yankees get swept or something crazy like that, all of a sudden you might not be as concerned with how you're dishing things out against the Yankees, right? If you're kind of three games up on them heading into that series, you might be sitting there going, okay, let's just keep Ryu rested. Let's go with Matt's. And then maybe we even go with Ryu the next day and we're giving guys like a ton of rest right now. But I do kind of like the idea of, I don't really care if it's Ryu or Matt's at this point. Ryu's been good against the Yankees, but Matt's has been better out of late, so whatever. Um, I do like the idea of making sure you get Robbie Ray in for that third game yes. against New York, because then if you do that, it's one, two, three, likely only four or five days off, and then a potential wild card game. Yep. You would want Robbie Ray ready for that one. So I think that's the way you need to go. You need to choose between one of Ryu or Matt's to start game one against the Yankees. And then you go through from there. The other thing that could potentially set up if you go Ray on the Thursday against New York in the final game of that New York series, you start Manoa Friday, Saturday, second last game of the year. You're going with one of Ryu or Matt's maybe not ideal, but you're going to that one. And if there is any sort of situation where it's a must win on Sunday against Baltimore, you would have Jose Barrios on his normal rest ready to go. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, the whole thing is designed for basically what it was is that They've done this thing so that Ray is no matter what pitching in the wild card game when it comes to it, which will be, I think, on the 5th of October and then on the 4th of October is the potential one game, uh, game 163. And given the way things are going with the Red Sox, Yankees and the Jays, yeah. like there's a pretty fair chance there's a tie and they have to go and play some game 163 somewhere to figure out who's moving on to the wild card game, which Fuck. is fucking insane, but that's possible. So you want to have Rios there on his normal rest. That's kind of what we got set up. And the other thing circling back to the Ryu Mats conversation is Ryu, as you said, has been great against the Yankees this year. Just recently before his two terrible starts against Baltimore, Minnesota, he had that six innings of three hits, no earned runs against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. But yeah. Mats has also been really good against the Yankees as well. In two games, both at Yankee Stadium, the first game was back in May. He went six and two thirds, six hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts. And then in September, again, in Yankee Stadium in that same series, six innings, seven hits, one earned run, six strikeouts. Like he's been fantastic against the Yankees. So I'm comfortable probably with either of those two going against New York. I don't, I don't know if there's a clear advantage. I'd probably lean towards Matt's right now just because he's been better as of late. But I mean, really you can't, you can't go wrong either with Ryu who's been good against the Yankees and he has, you know what, like it's going to be like 11, 12 days of rest at that point. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit more on the next podcast as well, because they do with the four games against the Minnesota Twins coming up here. Uh, here's what's here's what they'll be facing, at least against uh, Minnesota in game one. It's going to be Michael Pineda. He's seven and eight with a three point seven four ERA. Not a terrible season by any stretch of the imagination in game two. It is going to be Ober. He's got an ERA of four point three four on Saturday. I think the Twins are still TBD. They might be going bullpen game bullpen in that bad. one. And then on Sunday in the series finale, the Jays are going to be going up against um, Jacks. So uh, look at Griffin Jacks. He has not been good this year. He's got a 6.75 ERA. Um, He hasn't faced the Jays yet this year, but in his last four starts, he's given up a combined 14 earned runs in 18 pitches, 18 innings pitch. Like he's bad. 18 pitches. Every single pitch is going up. <laughs> Literal batting practice. Uh, yeah, no, this is, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. They have to take yeah. three or four in the series. They have to. I mean, have one, to. The, the one game that's losable is the Pineda game. I guess he was pretty good against the Jays last time. Fuck, I don't know why. He just was. <laughs> Maybe that's a losable game, but let's be serious here. Like, Minnesota has no pitching. They can hit, but they have all their good yeah. starters going. I uh, I will say this. The Jays didn't have their A game at the trot. They need to have it in this series against Minnesota. Us as podcasters didn't have our A game in this one. We, no. we stunk it up. We had some sort of weird trop effect. We couldn't string together a sentence yeah. for a lot of this. Um, we need to be better after the series against Minnesota as well, Coomsey. We do. We this. I blame the trop. It's the, it's the fault of the trop. Yeah. It's the house of horrors. Like we, we, so for the listener, just to be, just to be open and honest, we had to re-record the up next segment because we couldn't figure out who was pitching on what day in the New York series. And we had to go in the notes. Yeah. We mapped write, it out. Write it, we had to write it out and count. I had to count on my hands when Robbie Ray would be starting and whether it made sense for him to pitch in the New York series. That's how fucked we are right now. It was a shit gone. show. Yeah. Um, but we're ready to bounce back when we record on Monday to recap what we hope is a four-game sweep of the Minnesota Twins for the Sports Closet, for Twig and Berries, and for DoorDash. That's where the promo code BJNPODDD gets first-time users 25% off and no delivery fees. Thanks for tuning in. We promise we'll be better on Monday, and we hope you'll tune in then again. That's Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.